If you have a Bible this morning, you'll find our text in the book of Psalms, chapter 3. Psalms chapter 3. It is a joy to be back in this place again. And we thank the Lord for the privilege to stand here and around this precious book. I feel like the Lord has assigned me in these days that a pastor gives me opportunity to stand here uh, to look at five of the six wilderness psalms uh, in the scripture uh, that the, the psalmist wrote when he was in a wilderness. I don't know how many of y'all not testify for you that are in a wilderness this morning. But I'd like to raise my hand and say, I'm in a wilderness. I'm in a situation not of my making. And it is a situation that God has led me into. If you're not in one, just put this sermon on the back burner. There's one on the way. Got your name on it. And uh, God delivers his mail even on Sunday. He delivers seven days a week. Uh, a wilderness in the scripture is always a place of an unknown. It is a place of darkness. It is a place where you won't know whether to turn left, right, go back, or go forward. And... Uh, I find in the scripture something that has helped me. God will always use a wilderness in the life of his people as an instrument of movement. He will move them from a lower plane to a higher plane. If you're in a wilderness this morning and you're not moving, you can rest assured of one thing. You have not got to God yet. Because he will use that wilderness situation to move you from a lower situation to a higher. I'm interested in this first wilderness situation we find in the scriptures. In Psalms 3. If you have your Bibles there. Psalms 3. And I want us to see in this psalm this morning, it is very clear that it is a wilderness psalm, that God will use it in the life of David to move him from fetters all tied up, of which most of us are, to freedom. He will be free to worship the Lord. Noticing the psalm, if you have it before you, the title says, a psalm of David when he fled from Absalom, his son. Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. Selah. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory, and the lifter up of my head. I cried unto the Lord with my voice, 
and he heard me out of his holy hill, Selah. I laid me down and slept. I awaked for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of 10,000 of people that have set themselves against me round about. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for thou hast smitten all my enemies upon the cheekbone. Thou hast broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Thy blessing is upon thy people. Selah. Wilderness situation, place of an unknown, place of darkness. It can often involve tragedy, sorrows, heartaches, difficulties. God would use it as an instrument in the life of his people, as an instrument of movement. Movement from a lower plane to a higher plane. I don't know about you, I'll not testify for you. I'm interested in moving closer to God. How many of you would like to get closer to God this morning? Preacher, that's almost 100%. There's only one way you can get closer to God, through trouble. Are you still interested in raising your hand? It'll cause trouble, wilderness, unknown, darkness, heartache, difficulty, tragedy, things you don't understand move you from fetters to freedom. I notice in the text as we unpack it, we are confronted first of all with David's declaration. David's declaration. I notice first of all the title of declaration. Charles Haddon Spurgeon said he believed that the titles of the Psalms were as inspired as the text. I have a tendency to agree with him. He said, this is a Psalm of David. We find immediately that David wrote it when he fled from Absalom, his son. You remember Absalom, Ahithophel, David's counselor, Joab, his captain, has conspired with the people and uh, turned the, the heart of the people away from David unto Absalom. And Absalom has taken the throne David, who is probably a multimillionaire, is leaving Jerusalem and he's got everything that he can carry probably in a little knapsack. And in the rearview mirror, Absalom is raping all of his wives on the rooftop. And it is in the midst of that wilderness situation that David pins these words. I notice in this title of declaration, he says, a psalm of David. I don't know if you write in your Bible. I'm not real spiritual, so I write in my Bible. I don't know if you would like to circle the word psalm here. It is the first time it is mentioned in the Bible. The word psalm. You say, what's the big deal about the first time it is mentioned? Well, several things. One is the word itself. It is a little Hebrew word, mizmor, M-I-Z-M-O-R. The little word means literally a pruning or cutting off of superfluous twigs. 
It is to cut away the excess and that which is beyond need. The Psalms were instituted as we read them, as we meditate upon them, as we memorize them. They were instituted to cut away the excess of the things we really don't need. They really take away the temporal and let us see what's really important, which is the eternal. Uh, Probably about 99.9% of everything you involve yourself in is a 24-hour period is going to one day burn up and blow up. And you're killing yourself to hold on to it. And about one-tenth of a percent of what we involve ourselves in is really important. And once David lost everything he had, he said, wow, I really see what is important. He said, I've been tied up this whole time and now I want to get free. From fetters to freedom, David's declaration, title of declaration. But I see also in the text, there is a treasure of declaration. This is the first psalm that David on three different occasions, right after verse number two, And uh, again, uh, after verse number four, and then again after verse number eight, he uses the little word selah. The little word selah is a whole note. I noticed the choir director this morning when you closed out the choir, he had you to hold the note. It is our little word, Selah. You have never heard anybody hold out for the most part a bass note. It is always a crescendo, a high note, a booming sound. If there's anything that God wants to do in our wilderness situations, he does not want us to sing in the minor key. He wants those young girls to come out and hit those high notes, those soprano notes. See, wilderness was not intended for you. Y'all pray for me. I don't know in the world I'm going to. No, 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 no. Wilderness situations were instituted for you to boom out that high pitch sound so you can get free. Are you listening to me this morning? The little word selah also has the idea of one stopping, pausing, and changing their focus, what they're looking at. I am convinced this morning wilderness has been sent for us to stop looking at these things And start looking at those things. Are you listening to me today? Oh, how a wilderness will often demand. 
if we're going to get free, that we lift up a voice of praise and change our eyes of perception. And because of that, in these services, I want to preach. This is awful deep. I don't know if you can get this or not, this title. But this is what I want to preach on. My Lord knows the way through the wilderness. And all I have to do is join a Baptist church. God forbid. (laughs) All I've got to do is follow. Did you notice that he does not know the way into, under, over, or around? All he knows is the way through. If you're in a wilderness this morning and you're staying put, it's because you ain't found him yet. The only way he knows is through it. I love the hound out of that, don't you? Some of you are enjoying your troubles. You like to whine. You need some cheese with that wine. He does not know anything but the way through the wilderness. I love that. Oh, we all stop and have us. Some of you might want to have a smile break. (laughs) David's declaration. But watch the text. Look at verse number one. I see David's darkness. David's darkness. Darkness always speaks of the unknown. I don't know about you. I'd like to testify this morning. I am afraid of the dark. I don't like dark. I have a hundred watt bulb burning at the house in the middle of this morning. I have two Georgia power poles on either side of the house lit up the yard. Birds don't even roost in my yard. They think it's daytime there all the time. You say, what in the world? You got a hundred watt bulb burning in the middle of the house. Somebody break in. I don't want them to have to look around to find what they need to find. I've always been afraid of the dark. Sorry, please forgive me. Notice in the text, the great amount of darkness. He said, Lord, how are they increased that? I'm interested in this little word here, trouble me. The little word trouble is an interesting word. The little word literally means a dark impassable place. Lights are out. It's dark, David said. And it's so narrow, I can't get through it. Dark, impassable place. Great amount of darkness. I got to thinking when I was watching this wilderness because every time I go into a wilderness, it seemed like the lights went out. Don't know which way to go. Don't know which way to turn. I don't have a clue. And I got to wondering, where in the world darkness come from anyhow? I've, please forgive me. I've always thought that God just dealt in light. And the devil only dealt in darkness. I don't know about you. I'm going to testify for you. But I have found a study of the Bible will mess up a lot of things I thought I believed. Ron Dunn said it right. He said, a lot of people, once they find out what the Bible teaches, they don't believe it. 
I go all across the country, teach the Bible verse by verse. The first thing some of them say, well, I don't believe that. Once they find out what it teaches, first clue, I don't believe it. You ever give any thought as to where darkness comes from? Just a second. Just one little second holding our finger right there. Because I'll deal with this later in another psalm and sort of intensify it. Isaiah chapter number 45. Where does darkness come from? Who is the originator of darkness? Isaiah 45 verse number 7. God speaking. I, that's God, form the light and create. Time out, hold on. God said he did what? Created darkness. Wow. Man, I thought the devil did that. Once again, study of the Bible will mess up a lot of things you thought you believed. It gets bigger than that. He said, I make peace and create. Time out, hold on, create what? He said, I create evil. Rut row. He said, just in case there is something that you got an idea that I was not behind. He said, let me close out this verse with this little thought. I am the Lord and there is none besides me. And then in verse number seven, he says, I, the Lord, do all. That's pretty inclusive there. These things. Wow. I was interested in that little word form there. It means to make by hand. He said, I form the light. He said, I create darkness and I create evil. The little word create is our little word control. We get our little word steering from it. He said, I've got the steering wheel to all darkness and all evil. He said, I directed as I see fit and at my good pleasure. Wow. So nothing is happening today, he says. If you've had some tragedy, some heartache, some wilderness situation come into your life, it was a shocker to you. It wasn't to him who is driving. He said, I drove it. Right into your life. Wouldn't the worst he want to do that for? He said, I'd like to move you from a lower plane to a higher. And I think just a minute ago, I saw 100% precipitation. I want to I get closer. Sure enough. I'm glad he's got the steering wheel. How's he going to get us closer? Cut the lights out. Bring you into situations you ain't got a clue as to how to get out of. Wow. Go further with me. Not only is there a great amount of darkness, but there is a grave announcement from the darkness. Look back again at chapter number three and verse number two. Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help. For him in God. Now that is a pretty powerful statement. You're in the dark now. And everybody's saying, there ain't no help for you in God. 
as David is leaving his kingdom with Absalom in the rearview mirror. There is a man by the name of Shimei who is standing upon the mountaintop as David leaves. And he is cussing David and his God. And he said, there's no help for you in God. That's where he made a grave mistake when Shimei made that statement to David. Watch the statement if you please. Verse number two. There is no help for him. That is a statement of fetters. That is a statement that ties you up. But Shimei should have not added these last two words. In God. Because that is a statement of freedom. As long as you don't have God in your wilderness, all you're going to do is, y'all pray for me, I don't know how in the world I'm going to make it. But if you ever realize you're in God or in Christ, there ain't nothing but freedom. <laughs> I love the hound out of that, don't you? Huh? See, the reason why you're all tied up this morning is because you ain't figured out who's in there with you. He's the one that drove you in. He's the only one that can drive you out. I love that, don't you? Did you notice how David ended this little verse? I didn't know if you saw that or not. Selah. Once old Shimei said that, there's no help for you, David, in God. David stops, pauses. And changes his focus from losing everything to I got everything. Wow. I love that, don't you? And the crescendo of high note peaks and he booms it out all this morning. If you're in Christ this morning, there is nothing offered from that position but help. If you're in a wilderness this morning and you have not Christ, you rest assured there is no help for you. You'll be like the rat in a maze trying to find the cheese at the end. You'll just run yourself ragged and never find the way out. Are you listening to me this morning? I don't know about you. I want to say hallelujah. I'm in him. Any darkness and unknown he drives me into, I know sooner or later it'll come to pass and we're coming out the other side. I love that, don't you? Oh, Grace, that's helping me while I'm preaching. Huh? Notice, if you would, not only David's declaration, David's darkness, but notice verse in three and four, David's dependency. You'll notice in verse number four, he ends this stanza, this verse. You remember this is a psalm. All of the psalms are psalms. They give them to the chief musician. A lot of times they would tell them, say, hey, listen, let's sing this one publicly the next Lord's Day. This is how they got all their songs. I love that. Most songs today are written because somebody wants to make some money. 
See, the Bible songs, they was written because they's in the dark, don't know the way out, and so they started writing stuff down. <laughs> wow, woo! <laughs> and they get help. That's why we have to keep singing something different every Sunday, every two or three Sundays. They're writing them faster than we can sing them. They ain't going through nothing to get most of them. Are you listening to me? Hello. That really got over big. This is the second verse of the song. Most of the time we sing a song, they'll say, let's sing the first and the last. They oftentimes leave out the second. All your great hymns that have three verses, second verse, if you're going to sing any, let's just sing the second one. Because usually it's the heart of the song. The songwriter will tell you why he has written the song. And there is the meat of the heart of the song. And so it is with verses 3 and 4. David's dependency. I notice in verse number 3 we have the confidence of dependency. But thou, O Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. This is our little word, Jehovah. It is literally Yahweh or the great I am. The God who is always in the present tense. But it is literally this word. The God who keeps his word. None of us this morning can say that of ourselves. We always keep our word. If you were to say that, your children or your grandchildren would stand up and do this. Now, you may not be a blatant habitual person not keeping your word, but you can't ever say, I always keep my word. So as David is going into this wilderness, he calls on the one who always keeps his. Hello. I notice a lot of you don't even have a copy of it with you. I don't know where you go when the lights go out. David went to the word. Hello. It's awful deep. I don't know if you can get it or not over your head. Some of you call the pastor. Oh my God, what am I going to do? Have you thought about getting in the Bible? That's where he goes when he has trouble. Why won't we just bat, bypass him and go direct? Amen. Are you listening to me this morning? There is a confidence of dependence. He goes to the covenant keeping God, the God who always keeps his word. Well, what does he say about him? He says in verse number three, he says, but thou, O Lord, art a shield for me. He begins to give us adjectives to describe this God that he has met in his word. You know, I read a little article the other day. They did a survey of a hundred people. Fifty of them were agnostic and atheist. 
Fifty of them were us. Leave my, leave my Bible, so where to go? Fifty of them was that. They asked them a hundred general knowledge Bible questions. The agnostic, the atheist got 30% more of them right than those that say we believe the Bible. You know what them agnostic and atheists are doing. Hello. They are reading the Bible so they can refute you when you say I believe it. David said he is my shield. He says here in the text, thou art present tense. It is a perpetual present tense, unending tense. Thou art my shield. I was interested in that little word shield. The little word literally is one who surrounds another Picture frames them about. But the picture frame, this is off deep. I don't know if you can get it or not. The picture frame is three-dimensional. What? You ever go down there to the movie theater and put them 3D glasses on? You see everything that way, that way, that way, and that way at the same time. He said he is a three-dimensional surround me. He said he's got me covered that way. He's got me covered that way. He's got me covered that way. He got me covered that way. And he got me covered that way. (laughs) I don't know how you feel about that. Pretty covered. (laughs) Wow. Well, how in the world did he know that? It's awful deep. I don't know if you can get it or not. Probably over your head. He's been in the Word. The God who keeps His promises. But watch the text. He says, not only is He my shield in this confidence of dependency, He says, but He is my glory. That's an interesting word. The word literally means to lift high and adore another. When David leaves Jerusalem, Absalom stole his kingdom. He probably is leaving like this. But when little Shimei makes his little remark, there's no help for you. And then he adds that thing in God. The good Holy Ghost does this to David. David begins to give God glory. He begins to adore God. He stops looking at these things and starts to looking at those things. What's the big deal about doing that? Watch the text. Not only does he say he's my shield, he's my glory, but he said he is the lifter up of my head. The little phrase there is the little phrase of glory coming down. David said, if you'll start giving him glory, he'll send it back and start giving you glory. (laughs) Wow, what a thought this morning. Praise is up 
blessings down. The only reason some of you are getting blessed this morning is because you live with or close by somebody that's getting blessings and you getting a little bit on you. Most of you are not getting them purposeful because they have been directed at you. The only way you can get blessings is blessings go up, (laughs) blessings come down. (laughs) You praise him, he'll benefit you. Please tell me that you don't praise him like this. Ain't nobody in the Bible ever done it like that. Go down there to David and Solomon's church. They did things down there that scared Benny Hinn. (laughs) If we would have been in David and Solomon's church this morning, they would have almost every one of them danced by now. They'd have cut a rug across the church. Are you listening to me? They would have not sat here unless they were unbelievers. They would have never sat here and done this. When's he going to be done? No, they got into it. I love that, don't you? Wouldn't it be something some of you got into it instead of wanting to get out of it? That would be revival right there. Confidence of dependency. But I notice in our text in verse number four, there is a cry of dependency. He said, I cried unto the Lord with my voice. What kind of cry did David do? Verse number three, but thou, oh, I didn't know if you'd see that or not. I thought I'd point it out, underline it. Verse number seven, arise, oh, Lord, save me, oh, my God. Oh, in the scriptures is always a word of desperation. I was wondering this morning, you that are in a wilderness, has God ever put an O in your prayer? I am firmly convinced that God will never lead you out of that wilderness until you get desperate. And he puts an O in that prayer. I believe 2010 was the worst year I've ever had in my life. And as I started 2011, it has come in with a bang. And several things has led me to put an O in my prayer. David has gotten to a place where he's saying, Oh, God! Did you notice what happened when he got desperate? It's awful deep. I don't know if you can get it or not. The Bible says, I cried unto the Lord with my voice in verse 4, and he heard me out of his holy temple. David got desperate, cried out in desperation to God. And the Bible says God heard his prayer. You say, don't God hear all prayers? No, he doesn't. Most of them hit the ceiling and hit your head before you get it out of your mouth. How can you say that, preacher? 1 John 5 says that if we pray according to his will and he hears us, we have the petition that we have requested. If God hears you, put it in the bank. It's on the way. 
He answers all prayers that he hears. If he gives you an audience, hears the prayer, he said the answer's on the way. Doesn't say how long it'll take to get here. Doesn't say when, where, or how. But he says, if I hear it. You say, well, how will I know if he hears it? This is awful deep. I don't know if you can get it or not. If he ever hears one of your prayers, you'll know it. Nobody will have to tell you that he heard. There'll just be something. Yeah, he heard. You got to tell it no more. He heard. Answers on the way. I love that, don't you? Stop right there and have another smile break. Cry of dependency. One last thought and I'm done. Probably done said more now you wanted to hear. But I do want to get out of my wilderness, don't you? I know he's the only way out. I'm going to follow him. I'm going to ride his coattail out of this thing. Huh? Notice the last little thing. David's declaration, David's darkness, David's dependency, David's deliverance. David's deliverance. I notice in verses 5 and 6, the rest, R-E-S-T, the rest of deliverance. I laid me down and, time out, hold on. Did what? Slept. David says in the next verse, he says, I will not be afraid of 10,000 people that have set themselves against me round about. Absalom has him surrounded with 10,000 armed to the teeth soldiers. What in the world's David going to do now? Awful deep. I don't know if you can get it or not. It's not what you've been doing in your troubles. You've been counting sheep. You've been. Are you listening to me? If you get to him, David said you can sleep. I love that, don't you? Indication you're moving. If you're sleeping, I love that, don't you? I want y'all to stop there and shout. Anxiety, fear, worry will keep you up, but he will give his precious people sleep. Hello. That's what the Bible. I don't want to confuse you with the Bible. The rest of deliverance. He said in verse number six, he saw these 10,000. But he says in verse number five, I awaked. Next morning, slept good all night. He awaked. Did you notice what he says next? And the Lord sustained me. Wow. I was interested in that little word sustain. I don't know if you can get this word or not. I'll act it out for you. It's this word. He said, when I woke up, God had laid hold of me, lifted me over the whole thing and set me on the other side of it. Hallelujah. What a God we got. What did David do while he was doing all that? Boy, he must have been a praying. No, he's sleeping. 
Something deep spiritual movement. I love that. Don't you? The rest of deliverance. Could I mention in verses 7 and 8, the restorer of deliverance? He said, arise, O Lord, save me. He asked God in the middle of his trouble. He just wants God to do this. He said, I don't need you to do anything, Lord. Just stand up. He said, if you stand up, he said, they'll start falling. Wow. Of course, you know, the Lord hadn't stood up in 2,000 years except for Stephen's homecoming. Bill and Hillary ain't never got him up. Obama might have got you up. Ain't got him up yet. Huh? Iraq, all that. And nuclear, woo, nuclear thing coming. Save the earth. He's still sitting. When he stands up again, business going to pick up. I love that. David said, if you just stand up. He said, their jaws will start dropping. Their teeth will start falling out. I love that, don't you? Well, wasn't it wonderful this week? If in our hearts, you know, God's sitting on the throne of our heart. If God would just stand up inside of us. Some of you, your hands would get free. Your feet might get free. You know, all kind. You might. You know, your mouth might. Hey, man, glory! You wouldn't have to be pumped by the song leader to say it. You just say it on your own. He says, "The restorer of deliverance." He says in verse number eight, "Salvation belongeth unto the Lord." There's a powerful statement. Salvation is all of God. Do you know that God's in control of salvation? He decides who gets it. He decides when they get it. And he decides how to get it. If you was to get saved this morning, have nothing to do with you, he chose to do it this morning. He decides when you do it. He decides how you do it. He decides where you're going to do it. I hear people all the time say, boy, we thought I got saved when I was young. You couldn't. If you got saved when you was older, it's the only time you get saved. See, you can't get in this morning unless he lets you in. If you're sitting here this morning and you see the door of salvation crack, make a run for it. He might have chose this as the day of salvation for you. Of course, you know now, Jonah, he had to get in a whale's belly before he finally figured it out and made the same statement salvation is of the Lord. I can imagine an evangelist swimming by Jonah and knocking on the outside of his whale and saying, hey Jonah, you want to make a decision? No! That's how I got in here. I want to get out. Salvation is of the Lord. God gets you out. He's the only one that can do it. Fetters to freedom. And once again, in this psalm, He ends it in verse number eight. Selah. High booming sound. I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong. But it looks like to me when David left out of Jerusalem, he was like this, all fettered up. (laughs) But I believe boy done got free. (laughs) You know, I believe he's going across the Kidron River and and, and into the olive it like this. (laughs) I love that, don't you? That boy's having a time. Because God has whittled away Everything that is so important, unimportant. And he's seen that which is really important. I was thinking in closing this morning. 
I'm not much of a name dropper, and I'm not telling this story to be a name dropper. Kyla Faye Rowland wrote me not long ago and sent me a CD-ROM of a song that she had written out of something I had said in a sermon. Number one, I thought to myself, wonder why she ain't never heard that before. Grace has been common knowledge to me most of my spiritual life. She said she ain't never see it until she heard it in a sermon, I said. And then I asked a preacher friend of mine, that CD ROM, she had sent me a little thank you note, if I was going to get royalties off my, that song. And he said, yeah, that CD ROM, that little note she sent you is your royalties. <laughs> you don't give preachers royalties off of anything they say. Now, I love her, though. She give it to the prairies and, and they recorded it. But here's a little thought. The three Hebrew boys that Nebuchadnezzar couldn't get them to bow down to the gods. He tied them up. Scripture says he bound them and threw them in the fire. My statement that she took and wrote a song about was they did not lose but one thing in the fire. Nebuchadnezzar looked in the fire and he said, didn't we throw three people in there? He said, yes, okay. He said, there's four in there. And he said this. He said, and they're free. They ain't like this no more. The only thing they lost in the fire was the things they tied them up with. I love the hound out of it. Some of you getting free. Huh? Oh, they done seen your car in the parking lot. You just want to get free yourself. Wouldn't it be wonderful? If your neighbors, your loved ones, your family know that you're going through the dark hour of the soul and they see that you are free, you've moved from fetters to freedom. I was wondering this morning, life circumstances got you fettered, frustrated? Or do you see a movement? towards freedom. Would you stand with us? Father, I thank you this morning for the presence of God I feel in this place. Thank you for your anointing. Especially your anointing upon the word of God. It's so powerful. So sharp. It's quick. Piercing even dividing asunder soul and spirit. Lord, have thy will and way in this place this morning.